Welcome to Sleep Talk Snapshots, bringing you the latest on sleep from around the world. So the first person I got to interview was Olivia Walsh, and Olivia has just been awarded her PhD in mathematics and is a postdoc at the University of Michigan. Olivia designed and encoded the app Entrain, which I can highly recommend, a great app that helps people with light exposure in adjusting for jet lag. It's clear Olivia really loves what uh, she does. And yeah, I could have just talked to her for hours because she's just fascinating, taking a really mathematical approach to what is a biological problem. And there's really nice insights. More around cross fertilization. So thanks for helping us out, Olivia, with this part of our podcast. Okay, great. So when you're trying to model the circadian rhythm, what are some of the assumptions you've got to make in developing a mathematical model of the circadian rhythm? Well, you have to first consider what clock you're going to model. So we know we've got a clock in the brain called the suprachiasmatic nucleus, and that clock responds to light. But you also have a clock in your organs. So your liver has a clock, your stomach has a clock. We call these peripheral clocks. And they're pretty hot to to study right now. There's a lot of new stuff coming out on them. Mm -hmm. The modeling we did in the app and in our research ignores all of those and focuses on the SBN, that suprachiasmatic nucleus. So the only input we're caring about, rather than food, or exercise is light. Uh-huh. And so then once you've narrowed your scope to that, you can think about, okay, what parameters in the light matter? There we're assuming two are the, the key ones that matter, color of the light and how bright it is. And then when you've got your sort of mathematical model and then you're going to try and bring it to a consumer app, did you have to soften the algorithm? Or, you know, what do you have to do to try and bring it from the maths lab into the consumer space? It's something people can use. Yeah, so the model was fit using data where we knew all of the light exposure that people had. Um, so somebody comes into the lab, they spend two weeks or more cut off from anything that could tell them what time it is. Their light exposure is, is carefully monitored, and that's used to figure out how their clock shifts. In the real world, you can't track people's light that way. And so we had to adapt the model and adapt how we process the input to, to guess what people's light exposure is. It's imperfect. The original version of Entrain had only self-reported light. Now we do something with your motion and your your health data if you give us access to that. I also have versions of the app that use GPS. But the biggest constraint from going from that lab on my computer into the real world is if I'm doing a research application of the model, I know so much more about the inputs than I do in the real world. So talk me through what happens. I'm traveling from Michigan, where, where you are, to East Coast Australia, where I am, in a week's time. I've got my Entrain app downloaded, and I'm going to try and minimize jet lag. What's it going to tell me to do? So the way to think about it, it's almost like GPS for your body's clock. And it's going to give you GPS-style instructions for how to shift your clock from your current time zone to the new one in Michigan where you don't want to visit. It's very cold. So you should pick a different place, first of all. Um, But you will go into the app, click schedule a new trip, and it will pop up um, with a window that says, okay, where do you want to go to? What's your new time zone? And then you'll also pick what time you want to start adjusting. That's kind of like entering into GPS your destination and when you want to leave. Thing to know is if you're crossing a lot of time zones, it can be really hard to start following the schedule while you're still in your current time zone. You might want to wait until you get to the new time zone before you start adjusting. Uh, There's a lot more we could do with the model, and that's what actually I work on right now 
in my day to day uh, to kind of just like GPS, where if you don't want to take highways, can choose roads that take you only on back roads or where there's less traffic, even if it takes you a little longer. Uh-huh. And so with these alternate routes, you could figure out, okay, I, I want to get to Michigan. I want to start adjusting ahead of time, maybe a few days before I leave. But I also don't want the instructions to tell me to get light at two in the morning until 11 the next day. And so this kind of softer version of the schedule is something that we're working on right now, but isn't in the current version. Yeah, I really like that sort of recognizing there's the sort of perfect lab way of doing it, but maybe impractical in the real world. So you can choose a little more realistic, but maybe not quite as perfect way of doing things. Exactly. It's it's just another math problem. And that's what I really like about this. As you work with it and you're like, oh, I like this, but I don't like that. The answer to the, the things you don't like is almost always, well, just do more math. So the Entrain app's been out for around three years now and you get some data back from it. So what have your team learned from the app? Uh, The very first thing we did was look at the demographic information of people who chose to submit their data back. Uh, So we got their age, their sex, what time zone they were in. Also, if they traveled across time zones, what their jet lag uh, experiences were. Um, And we published one paper about this in 2016, just the demographic results initially. And so some of the things we noticed there, as you get older, sleep habits tend to homogenize. So you see a much higher standard deviation among young people in how they sleep. And that goes down in basically a straight line as they get older. Something that people have noticed experimentally is that older people have a harder time falling asleep at certain circadian phases. So they can't fall and stay asleep in as wide a a window of time as young people can. Uh-huh. If you're young, you can fall asleep at eight and stay asleep, you can fall asleep at 11 and stay asleep. But as you get older, that gets harder to do. And people think this is because of the circadian clock being different in young people and old people. And in our data set, if you look at what the model predicts the older individuals' circadian clock should be doing and their sleep diaries, we see that too. So basically, we see in the wild, this trend where older people have a harder time falling and staying asleep at certain circadian phases. Did you get any idea about how the circadian rhythm responds to the instructions from the app? So the tricky thing is when we try and estimate people's circadian phase, we're taking their lighting information and we're pumping it through our model. And so I have to be be careful to not like introduce a tautology here where we're like, oh, the model supports the model. Um, we do see a lot of things that... that uh, are suggestive of this. So if you take the model and you make up fake data, you fake lighting data and you say, okay, imagine there's brighter light over the course of the day and you pump that into a sleep model and you predict how people are sleeping, you see that people who get brighter light are expected to sleep more and go to bed earlier. And then if we turn to our data set and we use actual real data now, pump that through the model, we see the same thing. We see uh, people who have brighter light overall over the course of the day, sleeping longer and going to bed earlier. And so like that's that's one way we're we're looking at people's circadian rhythm, always keeping in mind we we have to filter the raw light data through the model in order to say, ah, this is what that person's predicted internal time is. I think another thing we really see is that a lot of people's circadian clocks, again using the model, but from their actual light data, are pretty messed up. So you can see people 
as they cross time zones who get completely waggy light schedules and that really disrupts their circadian clocks. And the next step is to look at how that disruption impacts performance, impacts mood, all these different things. And that's one of the, the projects we're working on right now is connecting that circadian disruption to these other quantities. That's really interesting. And you've talked a bit about um, jet lag and really that's what Entrain is for. But what about other applications like for people who do rotating shifts or shift work? I mean, if you're a shift worker, you're basically jet lagged all the time, which sucks. Uh, people who are shift workers, they're more likely to have problems with diabetes and obesity and depression. And then in the long term, they're more likely to have cancer. Uh, so I think something like this absolutely could be used to help shift workers. It becomes this matter of, again, changing up the math problem a little uh, to address a new problem. But it's something I think that could really easily be done and needs to be done, especially since something like 10% of the workforce, maybe more, is working nights right now. And that's, uh, that's only one application of just knowing your internal time. And this is what gets me really excited. If you want to measure somebody's circadian time experimentally, uh, the state of the art is to have them spit into a tube for like seven hours in dim light and it's so boring and it takes so long and you don't even get the results immediately because you have to take the saliva samples and send them to a lab and then get it back and you're like, okay, two weeks ago, here's what time your body thought it was. And so here, math modeling, if we know how your body works and we know the inputs, basically your light exposure, we can use math to make a pretty good guess of what your internal time is and then use that to tell you all kinds of things like, when are you going to be best at sports? When are you going to be best at performance and alertness? Uh, when is it going to be easy for you to fall asleep versus not? And all of these things are kind of mysterious to us right now because we don't have a visible, easy to detect marker for internal time. And I really think math modeling is, is going to help bridge that gap. Yeah, I really like that. So that's one of the missing pieces for me in clinical practice is being able to measure somebody's circadian phase with any degree of accuracy or any sort of relevance in terms of recency. And whilst we're working on physiological ways of measuring that, yeah, maybe math modeling's the answer. It'll be easier and quicker than physiology. I guess that's like a first order approximation. So so many circadian markers can get masked like body temperature, for instance, if I go for a walk, that's going to affect my body temperature. Whereas, and this, there's like a paper that came out earlier this year, the math models have been built in controlled lab environments and tested in controlled lab environments. But this paper earlier in the year put the models to work on people walking around in the real world, just measuring their light, and showed that it, in the real world, does a really good job of estimating circadian phase. So if you've got somebody and you're doing like, an MRI, a friend of mine is working on a paper to show that there's circadian effects that can have huge impacts on MRI results. And you want to know if your patient, uh, their internal time thinks it's like 8 a.m. versus 4 p.m. Great. Thanks a lot for those insights, Olivia. So happy to have talked to you. This is really fun. So yet another good interview. Thanks. Thanks for doing that one. I could tell you two were, you could have spoken for hours, getting a bit geeky with you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I had to be careful. Otherwise, we, we could have absolutely just geeked out and kept talking. So, I mean, yeah, what an impressive, impressive young woman. She's got a, a big future a big future ahead of her, hasn't she? Well, they're going to do some great work. What do you think the 
the future looks like for their work. Yeah, well, one of the things that I found really interesting is there's a lot of work going on in trying to work out a physiological way of measuring circadian phase because that's a bit I'm missing in the clinic. Yeah. It's been able to measure that. Yeah, that's right. But Olivia made that really great point that maths may be the answer. She's already pretty confident she could use mathematical modelling to predict circadian phase, and that gives you an instant result. I don't have to do multiple salivary levels in a darkened room and plot a curve. You just put a whole lot of data in, get a mathematical model, and bang. There's the answer. So bringing that Mm. different perspective to things I thought was really interesting. Yeah, that's very exciting. For the A to Z of sleeping well, head to the hub, sleephub.com.au. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for your own independent health professional's advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider within your country or place of residency with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.